It, I love his humor. So we're reading from the book of John, and we're in chapter 10 and verses 22 to 42. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the Father and I are one. Well, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It's not for the good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. It is good. It is good to be here with, with all of you and together to come to the Word of God. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather here today, we recognize the limitations of human promises and the unfailing nature of your world. Open our hearts to trust in your faithfulness and your faithful promises. Speak to us through your word. Guide us to find hope and security in Jesus, our good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Through our journey in life, we often encounter enticing promises that are simply impossible to fulfill. Sometimes we find ourselves 
trapped in commitments that are beyond our control. Have you ever planned a trip that got canceled due to bad weather? I have. Or perhaps you hope to give someone a gift only to realize that it's out of your budget. I have. It's common for soldiers heading off to war to make promises to their loved ones that they will return. But the truth is that their fate is not in their hands. It's common to hear people make big statements about their love, but those words are meaningless without real actions to back them up. Romantic poems may paint beautiful pictures, but they do not always reflect the reality of our lives. How many times we have heard about, I give you the moon and the stars, and that's not what the other person needs or wants. Today's verses don't promise health, wealth, or even happiness. Today we turn our attention to a beautiful passage in the scripture that presents a wonderful promise from Jesus to his followers and explain, explains why Jesus can fulfill, why Jesus is able to fulfill that promise. This passage carries a profound theological implications regarding salvation and regarding the nature of our Savior. So let's take a closer look to the historical background of this passage. It happens during the celebration of the Feast of the Dedication in Jerusalem, also known as Hanukkah. This festival uh, was a, a tribute to Judas Maccabeus, who rededicated the temple after it was desecrated by Antiochus. Antiochus, now you recognize the name. Antiochus was a leader from Syria and Palestine who tried to force Greek culture onto the Jewish people. And some of the terrible things that this man did was placing a statue of the Greek god Zeus inside the temple of Jerusalem. Then he sacrificed pigs on the altar of the temple. And then he was forcing the priest to eat the meat of the pig. Such a thing was a sacrilege thing for the Jewish people. Some historians tell us that in that occasion almost 100,000 of Jewish people were killed. However, Judas Maccabeus and his followers overthrew Antiochus. And in this process of purifying the temple, they found that the sacred oil, enough only for one day, miraculously 
lasted for eight days until more could be prepared. So this miraculous event is at the, at the heart of the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, which took place in the month of December. So that is the background. So it is here that the Jews surrounded Jesus and challenged him, saying in verse 24, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Their question is not a sincere inquiry seeking the truth. Instead, it is an accusation, accusation followed by a command. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And the way in which Jesus had been revealing himself had caused division among them. As we saw last week, they demanded a straightforward answer so that they could respond accordingly. And you know what was their response, right? If Jesus claimed to be Christ, they would soon kill him as it will be considered blasphemy. So Jesus, as usually he did, responded to their challenge with a rebuke, reminding them that he has already told them who he is and his works and his signs and the miracles that he has been doing among them bear witness, witness to his true nature, to his true identity. He says in verse 25 and 26, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my ship. Jesus is not evading their question or avoiding a direct answer. He's emphasizing here that their unbelief is not due to the lack of evidence or clarity, but to their spiritual condition. They were blind. Jesus could have declared it again, as he had done many other times, that he was the Son of God, that he was the promised Messiah. Many times before, in chapter 1 to chapter 10, we have studied how many times Jesus said, who I am is the Son of God. But here, there are two reasons why he refrains from doing so. The first one is essentially to understand that these Jews are not looking for a Christ who resembles Jesus. During the Feast of Hanukkah or dedication, they long for a Christ like Judas Maccabeus. They were looking for a political Messiah who would overthrow the Roman Empire and the oppression and restore Israel's dominance. They were not looking for someone like Jesus. And by then, by this moment in chapter 10, they realized that Jesus was not going to fight against the Romans. 
Their idea of a Messiah was different from the one Jesus intended for them to have. Very simple. But the second thing, Jesus has already revealed his identity through both his words using messianic titles and through his miracle works. However, they stubbornly refuse to believe the evidence. Jesus then points out the reason for their unbelief. And it says at the end of that verse 25, 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. So he's like, what? But then, Jesus proceeds to describe the nature of his sheep. Sheep. Thank you. And then he continued promising something for his sheep. Notice what he says in verse 27 to 30, to verse 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Notice that he's not saying he's greater than, greater than me. No, he's saying greater than all. And no one is able to snatch, snatch them out of my father's hand. And notice that at the end he says, And I and my father are one. So what he was saying to the Pharisees there was greater than all. And I and the father are the same, are one. I am greater than all. And these verses are rich with theological significance, revealing the nature of salvation and the security that believers have in Jesus Christ. So let's take a moment to, un to, to understand their meaning right now. The first thing that we hear here in verse 27 is Jesus' sheep, sheep hear his voice and follow him. This speaks of a personal relationship and an intimate connection between Jesus and his followers. They recognize his voice, which is a metaphor for understanding his teachings and recognize him, recognizing him as the source of truth and guidance. Recognize his voice. Second, Jesus gives his sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. This speaks of the assurance of salvation and the promise of persevering in eternal existence with Jesus. 
It is important to know that this promise is not conditional on the effort or merits of the sheep, but is a gift given by Jesus. So the first part is Jesus' sheep follow his voice. Second, Jesus gives them eternal life and they, they shall never perish. And third thing that we see in these verses is that here Jesus emphasizes that no one can snatch his sheep out of his hands. Do you ever worry about losing your salvation? Many Christians do. Let me share a comforting, a comforting message with you today. Comforting message with you. The New Testament the New Testament teaches in our passage this morning as well that if you truly have salvation, you will not lose it. And if you think you have lost it, you probably didn't have it in the first place. Because it is not about our own strength to keep the faith, but about the unshakable promise of Jesus. Imagine a loving father walking near a dangerous railroad track with his little son. The father can protect his son in two ways. By telling him to hold tightly to his hand or by holding his son's hands firmly himself. Which method do you think is more secure? The first one or the second one? Well, Jesus promised that nothing and no one can snatch away his followers. It's not about how tightly we hold on to Jesus. It is about how tightly he holds on to us. Jesus reassures us that his sheep, his beloved followers, have eternal life and we will never lost this eternal life that he is promising us. He is committed to keep us safe. It is an incredible promise that brings us comfort. And here is another beautiful part. Not only does Jesus hold on to us, but in verse 29, he says that no one can snatch us from his father's hands either. What a beautiful thing. It's not just Jesus holding you. He's the father and he is above all. There is no power on earth that will snatch your life from Jesus' hands and the Father's hands. So it's not just one hand. You are by the two hands, grabbed by the Father and the Son. 
What a beautiful, what a beautiful message for all of us. So dear friends, take heart in knowing that your salvation is secured in the loving hands of Jesus and his Father. They are always watching over us and nothing can separate us from their love. Romans 8.38 emphasizes that nothing can separate believers from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Both. Neither death, life, angels, powers, or other created things. The security of our salvation is in Jesus is absolute and unbreakable. So let me tell you something here. Salvation and security are not achieved through human efforts. It is a gift. It's not because our good works, but it's because of the work of God through the Holy Spirit in making us a new creation, a new part of His family. Once we are saved, our security rests in the work of Jesus Christ and not on ourselves. Nothing including ourselves, can remove us from Jesus' hands. This truth brings immense comfort and assurance to us, don't you think? Especially in times of doubt, hardships, and spiritual struggles. But when Jesus made his claim of being equal to God, the Jews became angry. In verse, verse 31, the Jews became angry and picked up stones to stone him. And they accused Jesus of blasphemy and of making himself God, which they believed was an impossible and blasphemous, blasphemous claim for a mere human like Jesus. However, Jesus defended his claims by citing Psalm 82, verse 6. This verse in Psalms stated that human judges and rulers have authority and are representatives of justice. And God refers to these rulers and these uh, um, um, judges. He refers to them as gods in lowercase. So Jesus argued that if even these judges, these rulers who may be evil, are called gods in lowercase by God himself, then how could they accuse Jesus of blasphemy? If God called gods in lowercase to mere judges and rulers, how, can, how they cannot believe that Jesus is the God, the Son of God himself? And even Jesus told them, if you do not believe me, believe 
the works. I'm not here making this claim without proof before you. Believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. If you do not believe my words, take one of the miracles that I have done and study that miracle and understand what is happening, if it's happening, because it is the power of God. So that means that I am here to do the works of God. Take, take the man who was healed from, 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 from the blindness. Only God has the power to open the eyes because he is the Lord of creation. Take the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Only God can, can defeat the elements of water because he is God. Take any of the Jesus' miracles and then you will realize that I am not here without proof. I have been sent by the Father to be with you. One of the beautiful names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was walking on this earth with us. In the last two verses, my friends, in the last two verses, we find every person's journey resuming the two verses that verses 40 and 42. While some rejected Jesus and sought to bring him to trial, others believe many people came to jesus recognizing the truth and they believe in him that's what we read in the last two verses they saw beyond the accusations and the hostility and they responded to the invitation and the promise of eternal life and eternal security as their hearts heard the good shepherd's voice to follow him These two verses are all our experiences. We have only two ways to believe or not believe. To receive the salvation and the security of eternal salvation from Jesus and believe it and follow him or to reject Jesus. So as Jesus closes this passage. He is inviting us to consider what decision we are going to make. Do you want him as the good shepherd who is offering eternal life? Or you are going to continue on your own? But before you continue on your own, I will tell you something. Take the evidence. Take the evidence that is here on these scriptures about Jesus. Put them piece by piece. And I am telling you, as happened to Carl, 
you will find the good shepherd and that he is not lying to you. He's telling you the truth. He is the son of God. He can give you eternal life. He can give you forgiveness and he can give you an eternal communion with Jesus, the, the Son, with God the Father through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We are grateful for, the, for the, the powerful message that you are the good shepherd. Thank you for the promise of salvation and the security remain and that we pray that this security will remain in our hearts, that you will strengthen our faith. Help us by living, help us by living testimonies of your love and truth as we go forth. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. stand together and let's sing this beautiful hymn that is called Blessed Assurance. And as we reflect to, to the, the powerful uh, words uh, that we read this morning. Amen. that again, blessed assurance, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, over the foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God. in his blood let in thy story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long this is my story this is my submission perfect delight visions of rapture now burst on my side
of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my story. This is my song. Praise my Savior all the day long. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.